How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Josh Hutchinson. I've got John Binkle with me here today. How you doing, John? I'm good, brother. Good to be here with you. Yeah, man. It, it is It is definitely good to be here. Uh, I have uh, a brand new hat that I'm sporting today, and it happens to be a hat that you bought for me because right. of our, our hat bet. When I we bet on who would have more votes in the Calder Trophy race at the very start of the season, I said Cole Perfetti. You said Jack Quinn. Cole Perfetti just edged Jack Quinn out by a hair. <laughs> <laughs> Two <laughs> we votes. Can argue, we can argue whether that was deserved or not, but uh, uh, still won, and you paid up. So I just wanted to to let everyone know you paid up. I got a nice little Toronto St. Pat's hat. It was really nice. I was gonna get a Jets hat, but uh, I wanted to I wanted to get it in time for the podcast. So I just went to my local lids, and they didn't have any Jets hats, but they had this one. So, and I liked it a lot. Uh, so thank you for that, Binksy. Yeah, it. you're welcome. It's uh, well deserved with your two vote margin win three to one <laughs> in those votes. So coincidentally, yeah, I also am wearing a, a brand new Leafs hat. Um, that I didn't pay for either. My dad got me a birthday gift and uh, finally gave it to me. My birthday's in June for those of you paying attention. So <laughs> finally, uh, finally gave it to me and, uh, and I'm rocking it for the pod. Nice. That's awesome. So he, uh, is that his favorite team or the Leafs, his favorite team? My dad is one of those like really stoic people, even though he played multiple sports, like into high levels. He's one of those people. that's like, I just like watching the games and I'm like, Oh, okay. I mean, you grew up a Leafs fan, but Hey, I'm not, I'm not here to judge. So, um, but it's nice. Cause I, um, you know, I love the Leafs kind of inherently like any, any hockey fan does with the uh, family from Ontario, but um, the, I didn't, I didn't own any merch from them. So this is my first piece of, of Leafs merch and uh, it's a, it's a dope hat. I like it. Yeah, it looks great. It looks great. I noticed it right away. I, I'm very impressed. All right, man, we're going to jump to our invasive question of the week. Um, So my question for you is, are there any non-fantasy hockey podcasts that you listen to and what are they? So I listen to a ton of podcasts when I'm driving, um, when I'm at my second job, which is just like stocking and receiving early in the morning. I listen to a ton of podcasts. So um, I actually referred to my Spotify for my top five because I listen to that many. Um, one of my favorites, not really related to anything, is called Smartless. Uh, it's three actors who are all friends in real life and and all three of them um, really funny. And it's as much as the show is about anything else, it's just the three of them chirping each other, which I absolutely love. Um, mm-hmm. And then I do quite a bit of investing um, into... Um, like EV companies and not altcoins in general, but uh, a specific few um, coin companies. So I listen to a lot of podcasts about that. And then obviously, you know, five hole keeping Carlson um, fantasy hockey podcast, um, you know, so on and so forth down the list. But uh, I think those are given. So I'm going to touch on my favorite fantasy football podcast, which is called the audible from footballguys.com and uh, their dynamic is phenomenal and and earnestly i hope to be 
as good at fantasy podcasting as they are someday because they have really they have really nailed it and they somehow are able to put out short form contacts so one of these days i'm going to reach out and message them and be like how do you guys do it how do you keep in 15 <laughs> 23 minutes a show etc so yeah, that's super impressive. We definitely struggle with that. That's for sure. <laughs> Keeping things concise, but uh, you know what? I'm 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 okay with that. Uh, I'm long winded, and and I'm I'm uh, perfectly fine with that. Um, I listen to a number of uh, non fantasy hockey podcasts as well. Um, uh, Smart List is actually one. It's not a, a regular podcast that I, I listen to, but it is one that I have listened to on occasion. Um, I'm big into. Um, I'm big into the comedy podcast, like the stand-up comedy multiverse of like all the different stand-up comics that just like guest on each other's yeah. podcasts. I, I really enjoy that a lot. Like Tiger Belly and and uh, Bad Friends is a big one. Yeah, uh, Santino is hilarious. Santino is amazing. I think Santino is one of my favorite people in comedy, 100%. Um I'm big into your mom's house. I love Tom Segura and two bears. Um, so I, I, those podcasts, I, I, I wouldn't say I listen to any of them religiously, but I definitely sample them all at different times. Uh, Stavros Halkius also has a really good podcast. I saw a homeless man about the age of 65 today that very much reminded me of Stavros. If, yeah. uh, if he fell on very hard times. Yeah, he's got that look. He's got that look for sure. He's an interesting guy. I think he's the best. Um, and then uh, the Steve Dangle podcast has been a staple for me for about a decade now. Uh, it's a Leaf-centric hockey podcast. So not fantasy hockey, but uh, it's, an, it's another hockey podcast that I listen to. You made it weird as well. Uh, it's Pete Holmes' podcast. Okay. It's a, technically a comedy podcast, but it's kind of got like a... He's like a very mystic, like spiritual guy. So it, there's a lot of like introspective uh, stuff going on there. But he's he has celebrities and, and stand-up comics on there all the time, and they get like really deep and stuff. So okay. it's uh, it's fun. It's fun. But he likes to he likes to be a silly goose as well. So so it's it, it's it's all in good fun. Um, well, <laughs> let's get into this shit. Everyone, stop what you're doing right now. Stop. Listen to me. Take a second. Leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I'm not joking. Please. Please do it. We're trying to take this thing to new heights and reviews go a long way. So we would really, really appreciate it. And it, it really doesn't take long at all. So please, right now, stop what you're doing. Do that right now. Pause the podcast if you have to. Or multitask if you want. <laughs> Uh, you're probably a more advanced human being than I am. I'm not a very good multitasker, but you can multitask if you'd like. Um, also, hop into the Apples and Genos Discord. Uh, things are starting to heat up again. Mock drafts have started in fan tracks, so ADPs are out. Everyone's getting excited, including us. I'm jonesing to get things going. Actually, mm -hmm. I should mention, Nate has started doing best ball drafts through Apples and Genos. So if you're in the Apples and Genos Discord server and you're getting hyped up, you're you're wanting to do mock drafts, but you you want to have a little more stake in the game. Uh, best ball drafts are a really good way of 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 jumping into that. It's just a five dollar entry fee for each one. They they fill up really fast, but if you're in the Discord, you can find out when they when they come up. We've already got three going. I think Nate started 
started posting them yesterday mm-hmm. and we already have three uh three leagues filled up so it's a lot of fun jump in there uh you can find out a little more about that in the discord server so uh the link for that is in the description so let's jump into our topic of the day so today we're going to be discussing the top 10 negative regression candidates for next season and by negative regression I mean, players that maybe had a hot season last year, but based on their underlying numbers, it's unlikely they'll be able to repeat their production and will likely regress towards the respective means. So we're going to kind of go backwards from 10 just to keep the suspense. I thought that that, that's uh, and and keep you listening, right? We want you listening right to the end. We want you kind of kind of guessing who could be number one. I, I personally think number one is pretty obvious. There's one guy that really stands out as as someone that did something completely unsustainable last year, but you never know. So just 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 keep listening. Number ten is Alex Kalorn. So Alex Kalorn last year with Tampa had 27 goals, 37 assists, 64 points, which were all career highs. Looking at the underlying numbers, his shooting percentage is 18.88%. That's super high, and that's super high for him. His career shooting percentage is actually down at 12.5%. So that's uh, that's more than 6% above his, his career shooting percentage. Um, his on-ice shooting percentage was also the highest of his career at 13.95%, which will almost definitely come down in Anaheim as, as the, the players he's playing with are going to be, I mean, not not near as good as the people he was playing with in Tampa, I would guess, uh, unless he's on the top line with Zegras and Terry, but I, I don't think that that's likely. Um, he also had his lowest time on ice since 2019 with 17 minutes and 12 seconds. Now that's probably going to go up because he's going to have a higher role on Anaheim. I would think uh, shots per 60 and individual Corsi four per 60 were the lowest of his career and the individual scoring chances four per 60 were actually on the low end as well. So it seems like this career high for Kalorn was actually kind of, for the most part, a bit of luck. So he his ice time is probably going to increase at Anaheim, but I imagine that this crazy efficiency is going to plummet. Uh, both his teammates are not going to be quite as good, and I imagine his shooting percentage is going to kind of regress towards the mean there. So Alex Kalorn is my number 10. What do you think about that, Binksy? What do you think about Alex Kalorn? Are you drafting him next year? I think it's going to be better than it, just, than it sounds just off the top of your head, right? But almost six and a half shooting percentage above a career. Right. And all of that time on a very effective team at that shooting percentage. So that's massive and that's got to come down and it, and it might even go lower than 12 and a half percent and a minute, a minute and a half that he's going to get bump on Anaheim is not going to make up for that. I think the ducks are going to be a little bit better than, than the drastic, differential between being in Tampa and moving into the coast. I don't think they're going to be quite that bad, but they're certainly not going to be that good. Right. And that ideal line that you mentioned with Terry and Zegris doesn't really seem to be how they're deploying Zegris. Like that, that line doesn't seem to, to mesh for what they've got going on. So, I mean, hopefully he's a, a top line player for, for fantasy purposes, but 
I get a, a little bit of like a Jamie Ben feel to it where they're not going to play him quite as much, but they want him to kind of lead the middle of the pack for their team and keep things really stable where there was such a cliff for them between their upper level talent and their lower level talent that I think he might be the, the, the belt that ties everything together for them. So I think it may be not as bad as it sounds, but uh, I think 10 is a very safe place on the list for him in terms of negative regression. Lower down the list, I'd be a little bit less uh, inclined to believe in in that hard regression, but at 10, it seems pretty poignant for sure. Number nine is Braden Point. Funny you mentioned pointed. That's a nice little segue. (laughs) Braden Point. 51 goals last year. That was a career high. 44 assists. And 95 points, also a career high for Braden Point. On a shooting percentage, was actually pretty good. Pretty reasonable for him. Uh, and his IPP was pretty normal. Uh, the one underlying stat that kind of stands out for me was a 21.7% shooting percentage. That was the best of his career. Uh, he had another year where he actually shot 21.35%, but his career average is around 18. So actually a pretty high efficiency shooter. Um but that, that shooting percentage is a little little bit high, and I, I think there's a bit of a red flag there. I don't think he's really a 50-goal scorer perennially. Um, but that being said, uh, everything else seems pretty repeatable. So I, I don't think there's going to be huge regression here, mostly just in his goal totals. Uh, his career, He had career highs, actually, in shots per 60, individual Corsi 4 per 60, and individual scoring chances 4 per 60, uh, which was actually 12.67, which was in the top 20 in the league. It's it's elite. And his time on ice was 1940. So I mean, I, I Braden Point's one of the one of the top guys on this team. He's gonna play in that top power play no matter what. Um, he isn't the highest volume shooter, mm-hmm. but he does get to the areas where he needs to be to get great scoring chances. And he's, he's one of the league leaders in scoring chances for he's one of those guys, those weird guys where his individual scoring chances four per 60 is actually higher than his shots per 60 and his individual course four per 60. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm still high on Braden point. I'm just not picking him. I'm not picking him in the top 15 where, where, uh, where he would have ranked at the end of the season last year. Cause I think those goal totals are going to come down, but I think he is a point per game player, but a little bit of a red flag on the shooting percentage there. Uh, I don't know. What do you think Binksy? I put him low on my list, but I did want to mention him here. I probably actually should have put him below Kalorn. Cause I think Kalorn is going to see more of a, of a regression, but what do you think of a Braden point here? I think that's probably true. I think you're probably right about about the order of the list. What's most alarming to me in in regards to regression for him is that um, just just one other time he played 82 games in a season. In recent memory, he's playing around 65 games, right? So the shot total is what scares me most about regression a little bit less so than the shooting percentage. He's always been a high, high percentage shooter and on a very effective offense. So that doesn't scare me quite as much, but the shot total just has to come down whether or not that's directly related to injury or, or playing time. It's hard to prognosticate that and we do our best not to, but the actual shot total, I believe will come down quite a bit. And we're also talking about somebody that, you know, is getting, 
30 plus assists at even strength most years. But that seems a little bit harder to do as they move forward with the same core, right? Every single year, it's a little bit harder to do with that that same squad. So I have I have concerns. I think he belongs on the regression list. My biggest concern is is the amount of games that he's going to play and the amount of shots that he's going to take in those games. So I think they're all um, quality points, and I don't think he's hitting these career highs again for – uh, a variety of a few reasons. Yeah, I think this is definitely the ceiling for Braden Point this past year. Number eight is Pavel Buchnevich, and you may say Buchnevich, he wasn't that great this year, but really, he he paced he very good. well. He, yeah, he, he's pretty he just good. Didn't play a ton. Uh, he actually had a 34 goal, 53 assists, and 87 point pace in 63 games, but. Let's look at the underlying numbers for a second. His on-ice shooting percentage was 15.07, so one of the highest in the league. Um, that's an insane number. That's an absolutely insane number. Um, his shooting percentage was 21.14%, also a crazy number. His career shooting percentage is down at 15%, so again, like a more than 6% uh, shooting percentage uh, above his career shooting percentage. Um Shots per 60 was was uh, down almost three from the previous year, and his individual Corsi four per 60 and individual scoring chances four per 60 were both down as well. So he actually wasn't even really generating as much. He just was super efficient in the, in the chances that he got. Um, it, it, I, I mean, it, it's possible that those underlying numbers, though, uh, he was struggling with injuries all year. He was one of those guys that was out kind of off and on the entire season like as soon as he felt like he was going on a run he would get hurt again and uh i i I wonder if there was just things nagging him all year that would have caused these these rate stats to kind of to kind of decrease below normal numbers but that being said i i mean i don't think that he's uh yeah i don't think that he's a 90 point guy i think he's close to a point per game guy but with those underlying numbers, I'm not super stoked. Like he's he's gonna have to he's gonna have to go back up more to his career averages. So I, I think yeah, I essentially think he was extremely lucky with the point totals that he had last year, uh, considering the way that he played across the board and and uh, I mean the fact that that he was injured a good chunk of the year. So um, yeah, what do, I don't know. What do you think about Bujnevich? Uh, I'd like to hear your opinion on him. Big well, I mean, I struggled with him all season last year in a, in a couple of roster spots. Had an in- incredibly slow start after um, not actually starting the season with the team. The shooting percentage obviously has to come down, but, you know, so few shots on the season. 123 shots in 63 games is is a very small amount for a top, flight shooting player right like other than Cairo there's not a whole lot else going on for them and you know obviously he had nagging injuries but you know I I go that Nate route where I'm wondering how hurt somebody is and I'm looking at the hits and blocks to see if those things are congruent right and those were kind of in line with the rest of his career last year so I'm a little bit more concerned that he's mentally not as invested, right? He's in a situation where he's trying to get out of St. Louis 
and away from this team that is in total disarray. So I feel like we're actually going to see very much of the same in the coming season from Booch, but it's going to be the same kind of capped production where we're looking at about a point per game, but you're looking at about 60 games for whatever reason it may be. So, and if it isn't 60 games, if it is 70, if it is 72, 75 games, how invested is he in 72, 75 games? And I feel like there's not going to be so much regression as there is just a cap on the total output that at the end of the season is not what you were hoping to be in a return to form or um, like a per per game pace type player. Yeah. I, I, I mean, what you said about him being uh, potentially being unhappy in St. Louis, I think that's, that's definitely possible. Um, St. Louis is going to be an interesting team this year. I don't really know what to expect from them. Uh, they kind of retooled on the fly uh, when they maybe should have stripped down even further. Oh, yeah. uh, but I, I that they were kind of kind of had a weird mix of players where like there were a few older guys and a few guys reaching their prime. So it's like, like, what do you do in that situation? Right. So. Um, yeah, the St. Louis is going to be interesting. I don't think they're a playoff team, but uh, they may. I, I still think that they have some pretty valuable fantasy players, Buchnevich included. I just don't know that he's going to reach those same levels as he did last year. Number seven is Vince Dunn. He had a huge breakout year. He had 14 goals, 50 assists, 64 points when his previous career high was 35 points. Uh, there were a few guys that that had huge, huge upticks in, in production. We'll talk about at least one other one here uh, at, on defense. Uh, his shooting percentage was the highest of his career. It was 9.33%. His career shooting percentage is around 6.9%. So it's not like a huge increase, but it's, it, it's notable for sure. Uh, he had two other seasons where he was actually 8% or above. So it's, I mean, it's not, it's not insane. It's not insane for Vince Dunn, that 9%, but still a little high for a D-man. Uh, On-ice shooting percentage was by far the highest of his career at 13.11%. That's really high. Seattle, that's to be expected. Seattle shot at a crazy rate as a team. They just could not stop putting the puck in the net. Um, there, His time on ice was three minutes above his previous career high at 23.40. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a huge factor. Um, he was really their number one D-man this year. Um, his shots per 60, individual Corsi 4 per 60, were actually the lowest of his career. And his individual scoring chances 4 per 60 were actually the second lowest of his career. So that's interesting. Like, I don't know if that's going to be a trend moving forward or, or if that's just like part of the way. Like, I mean, it could be he's just deferring to forwards and, and and is reaping the benefits of of uh of playing with guys that are that are converting really well but i i imagine that there's likely some regression coming i don't think that that's an unpopular take uh but the the time on ice bump uh should help him stay around 50 points i would guess like i, I think he's still probably a 50 point guy like there was some question there was some talk about eric carlson potentially going there we know that that's not happening now so vince dunn is still the number one guy they signed up to a big contract um so i think i i think he's probably still a 50 point guy but i don't know that he's much more than that what do you think about 
him being C. Like, what are you expecting from Vince Dunn next year? I actually expect him to get up to close to 60 points again, right? Like, there's not a ton of competition for his spot. I guess my biggest concern is not entirely Vince Dunn himself, but with with the team as a whole and their yep. puck luck and their ability to keep scoring at that same rate. So I have concerns about that in that we didn't really see it coming and it felt unsustainable and it was unsustainable all year long and then even into the playoffs. So I kind of believe more than than my analytical mind tells me I should obviously with the, the individual scoring chance metrics per 60, that's, that's scarier than, than my gut feel on it. But I feel like it is not a wild take to think that he could do it again. I think it would take another period of, of seemingly unsustainable output by the team for him to hit it. But I also believe in the Kraken. Um, I believe in their team unit. They haven't really changed anything, right? They're just kind of reloading. So I, I actually kind of believe in Vince Dunn and I'm, I'm probably going to be drafting him in spots where I feel like it's a great value and I won't be super disappointed if it's a 50 to 55 point season, but I also kind of expect it to get up into the sixties again. Yeah, I, I think I wouldn't be super surprised. I, I think the biggest the biggest thing, like, yeah, I'm not I'm not super concerned about him as an individual. Like like you said, it's it, it's about it's about the team staying at that level around him because they yes, they are good as a unit, but I think they were just super lucky or just like Very. super efficient this year. Um, and I don't I, I mean, I don't see that. Uh, being sustainable but they did it all year basically like there weren't really a lot of dry spells for them so i don't know i i I think those assist numbers are probably going to come down um so uh, i mean i'm I'm not saying that i'm moving off of vince dunn i think he's still super valuable um but i I, like i I think if he's your your 2d you're probably not super stoked about that I, i think he's more of like a three to four d type player um, I think you're pretty excited if if you've got them in that uh, uh, in that spot on your team. Yeah, that feels in a, that feels like a very good place for him. Like the the ceiling, I'm okay with, and I, I feel like there still remains that upside. Yeah, for sure. Uh, number six is Eric Carlson, the new Pittsburgh Penguin. He had 25 goals, 76 assists, and 101 points last year. They were all career highs. His IPP was 67.33%, which for a defenseman is so good. Um, and it's it, like, it's crazy high. That's crazy high for a defenseman, but he's actually had a ton of seasons over 60% IPP. Uh, I mean, it's Eric Carlson, right? Like he's, he's a legendary offensive defenseman. Um, his on-eye shooting percentage uh, was actually the highest of his career, which is kind of surprising to me, considering he's he was probably playing on the worst offensive team uh, that he's ever played on. Uh, his uh, on-eye shooting percentage was 11.74%, which isn't like insanely high, but it's just surprisingly, it's surprising that that's the highest of his career. Uh, his shooting percentage, this is another, another spot where I think that there's going to be some regression. 
11.96%. That's crazy mm-hmm. high for a defenseman. His career average is 6.9%. So that 20, those 25 goals, I don't think that's going to happen again. I don't think Carlson's really a 20-goal scoring defenseman. Uh, his individual rates were pretty solid, uh, including the second-best individual scoring chances for per 60 of his career. I imagine there was a lot of hero ball going on, <laughs> so that's not incredibly surprising. Uh, so I, 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 I think there's going to be a fairly steep regression. Um, but, I mean, uh, he's still elite. Uh, I... I I think that he could, he's probably still a point per game guy if he is healthy. Um, that's the big question mark there. And he's going to Pittsburgh where no one seems to ever be healthy except last year uh, where they were all healthy, but then they all of a sudden couldn't put the puck in the net anymore. So uh, that'll be very interesting. I, and it's also going to be interesting to see how he's utilized on the power play because yeah. they have Chris Letang there as well. That's going to be. I mean, I, I don't imagine you get Eric Carlson uh, to not play him on PP1. Yeah. Um, but it's just going to be interesting what that is going to look like. So um, I, I think there could be a discussion about playing them both on PP1. Uh, I think there there were times where they've done two defensemen on that power play. And then Jake Gensel being hurt for the first part of the year. I mean, there is a possibility that you could... Uh, that that could be the situation that that you put them in with a two D three forward with with Crosby Malkin and uh, who's the uh, Raquel I guess mm-hmm. uh, Raquel Rust whoever you want to slot in there. Um, so uh, yeah, it's a, uh, I I don't know. What do you think about Eric Carlson, man? Like like uh, obviously he's not a hundred point guy. I don't think anyone really feels that way. I think there's going to be. Uh, despite him playing with better players this year, there's there's going to be uh, there's going to be some regression coming. I think there seriously is not an important category that he's not due for regression, right? Like we don't expect him to be a 25 goal scorer. I know absolutely no one on the planet expected 76 assists for him on the Sharks, right? So certainly more reasonable to see a 76 point assist total in, in Pittsburgh, but how is he going to get 25 minutes a night playing for them? And there's zero chance that he's going to shoot 12% on the season again. Right. So, I mean, every important metric, like it has to come down, it all has to come down. And, and it's, it's how far do you think it's going to come down? And, I'm happy for him to finally like lose the narrative of where he's going to go and go and get things settled. But now we've got to account for the fact that uh, as, as fantasy minds, he's going to a new team, right? Where we generally expect some sort of learning curve and regression in general. And then how is the time on ice going to break out between him and Latang? Who's going to get the power play time? Does that mess with, his mindset as the the power play guru right so like it's all negative even though he went to a much better situation so like obviously you don't think he's going to be 100 points but you think he's a point per game player well how does that break out right is he a like 15 goal scorer and the rest is assists 
because that's pretty high total for somebody that, you know, didn't have more than 53 assists in the last six years. Right. So like it's, it's gotta come down. It's all gotta come down. And that's not a shock to anyone. Like he had a mind blowing season that no one believed in all the way through it for a handful of reasons, but like it, it feels like it's going to be really aggressively coming back to the mean, even though he's in a much better situation and, and more than Carlson, I think it's really going to ding Latang too. Like, I feel like there's a bunch of, yeah. of negative fallout coming from this move. Yeah. In, in terms of fantasy value, for sure. I think that Pittsburgh's in an interesting situation. Like I, I think there's, there's a lot of discussion as to whether or not they're better, but like, I mean, Eric Carlson is a, still a world-class player i think they they are they're better off than they were uh i mean a few days ago yeah true all right number five we've got josh morrissey so he had 16 goals 60 assists 76 points which were all career highs his previous career high similar to vince dunn was 37 points so we had almost he almost doubled his career high in points his IPP was 58%. His previous career high was 40%. Now, part of that is probably his uh, the fact that he actually had a solidified spot on PP1 that would have assisted with his IPP increasing, but it's still, still a pretty crazy increase. Um, for the last few years um, prior to this past season, he was kind of battling it out with Neil Pionk for power play time, but... Um, Rick bonus seems to really like Morrissey on, on PP one. So, um, and that should continue, but that is still an alarming increase in IPP. He had a 9.3 shooting percentage is usually around six to 7%. So a little bit high on a shooting percentage, 11.55, not crazy. Uh, he had a full minute per per games played increase in power play time. So yeah, like I mentioned before that, that is definitely a factor, Uh, but his overall time on ice was actually not that much higher uh, than the previous few years. He's just playing a more offensive role. So uh, he had a career high in individual scoring chances four per 60, but other than uh, his other shooting rate stats are pretty typical for him. Uh, So I, I just think that there's some negative regression coming here. I, I think that Winnipeg, is worse as a team so those assist numbers are probably going to come down um and i i think shooting percentage was high ipp was high uh i i just don't i just don't believe in josh morrissey i think i i I don't believe in him as a player um i think he's probably if he keeps his power play role probably more like a 60 point guy Mm -hmm. um maybe less i don't know um but yeah i think rick bonus is still the coach so i think he he keeps that spot on pp1 but uh there's some definitely some negative regression coming here what do you think about that binksy i think uh it's almost a given on the regression front right like we're talking about somebody who was almost a point per game in the previous season and that just hasn't been who he is and the state of the team offensively is is not in the same place that they were last year so i think there's it's really more of a middle ground between the two previous seasons right where you're getting like eight on the shooting percentage the time on ice is closer to 23 and a half rather than than high 
Um, and you know, you're talking about like 60 points, right? So I think it's, I think it's good. I don't think it's great. I don't think we're making, uh, Norrissey jokes in the coming season at all. Um, but I don't think it'll be terrible, right? I don't think it's just going to – I don't think it's going to crash land where he's going to come back to, you know, the earlier portion of his career where he's sitting on 30 and, and 25 points. Like, the situation is good. The coach believes in him. The team isn't awful, right? So, yeah, you know, not a high-water mark that we've seen before. I don't think the regression will be ridiculous, but it's definitely going to come down. Number four is Jared McCann. Jared McCann had a career year. He had 40 goals, 30 assists, 70 points in 79 games. Led the team in scoring, the Seattle Kraken. His shooting percentage was 19.05%, which is extremely high. His career average is about 13 to 15%. Um, that's typically where, where he is year to year. Um his, I mean, the the year before he had a pretty high shooting percentage as well, um, but I, I, man, I just don't know that he's like a that high of an efficiency shooter. Maybe he is, and maybe maybe that's what he's proving. But I I have doubts. Um, his honest shooting percentage again, playing in Seattle, similar to Vince Dunn, was thirteen point four zero percent, and at even strength, it was actually thirteen point one four. So, being playing on the power play didn't actually increase his overall number that much. His even strength uh, on a shooting percentage was really high. Thirteen percent on at even strength is is insanely high. So, uh, I think that is probably going to come down. He only played sixteen twenty time on ice, which is. I mean, to be expected in Seattle, they they kind of roll their lines evenly, um, very similar to Rod Brindamore in in Carolina. Uh, uh, Dave Haxtell is is uh, very similar in the way that he rolls his lines. So, uh, not a ton of ice time for McCann. So, I, I think overall, I probably see uh, a total point regression, so a decrease in assists, just because his on ice shooting percentage was so high and Seattle was so efficient as a team. And then that shooting percentage, I think, is probably going to come down as well. I don't know that he's really a 40-goal scorer, unless his time on ice goes up a lot. But I just don't see that happening. They extended Dave Haxel. They had a successful year last year. I don't see them making a coaching change unless it's a complete disaster. Um, so I, I, I think that uh, you're probably going to see similar time on ice numbers for Jared McCann. Uh but his overall statistics are probably going to come down a little bit. What do you think, man? I'm, I'm sure that will be the case, right? You're talking about 40 goals and 30 assists, right? I feel like both of those come down at least 10, right? So, But I'm curious how far you think it's going to go because for two seasons now, going into the season, you're like, I feel like Jared McCann is a huge value play, right? So with with him going 70 points in 79 games are you do are you expecting to be able to get McCann at value again do you think people are just going to see the totals and be like this is something repeatable because you know 16 20 time on ice has so much room for improvement for a player who scored 40 goals that i don't I, I don't know how to feel about it, honestly. Like, 
if he is a 40 goal scorer and they give him more time, then that's phenomenal. But can you really expect him to suddenly be a 19% shooter on a very successful team on the ice? Like there's, there's so much room for improvement, but can we realistically expect anything to improve? I feel like just like you said, it's going to be the exact same thing. And if it's the exact same thing, then why can't we extrapolate this same data to next year? And you, this is coming from you who believes in him year after year, who thinks he's going to be a hidden gem. Now that he's shown to be a gem, you're like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, I just looked up his ADP right now on Fantrax and it's 104.4. So I'm still very comfortable taking him at that range. Um, I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's proven that he's the best offensive player on this team. Um, but like you said, like, I just don't, I, I I don't know that that time on ice is going to come up and that's the key, right? Like maybe he is a 40 goal scorer perennially if he gets the proper amount of ice time. But I just don't think that playing 16 minutes a game, he's going to have that same amount of efficiency and I don't think the team is going to have the same amount of efficiency and the way that they distribute or the way that they set up the power play as well. It's, it's very similar to Carolina too, where they, they kind of spread the wealth. Like they, they, they do an even split on PP one PP two. So it's not like he's playing a ton of time with the best players on the team on the power play either. So, I mean, Obviously, like I, uh, my mind is completely open. If Dave Haxtell wants to change his ways and wants to play him 18, 19 minutes a game, then absolutely. Then I'm all in on Jared McCann. But I'm I'm at a point where and and like like I said, I'm not I'm I've always liked this guy. You mentioned that um, two years ago, I was all in on Jared McCann. Uh, first year in Seattle, I was like, yep, yeah, I'm in. I'm in on this guy. He's a great shooter, high efficiency shooter. He's got a great shot. I mean, so maybe I'm being a little bit hypocritical here, but uh, yeah, it's just, just so surprising for me because you have always been beating the drum for him. And then he goes out and has a 40 goal season and you're like, nah, yeah, not like that. <laughs> not like that, man. <laughs> do it better. Do it better. Yeah. Well, do it more sustainable i guess is what what i'm trying to say i I think i hope that he'd get more ice time and get get a more prominent role uh, okay well on the team but before we move on i want to i want to ask you one question do you do you think he's the highest scoring player on seattle again uh i gotta think about who's there it could be i i i mean i wouldn't be surprised if maddie beniers uh becomes that really really soon Okay. Um, but no, I think I I do think he is. I do think he is the highest scorer again, for sure. Yeah, hmm. I think Beniers Beniers probably has a bit of an improvement. Um, but I, I I do think McCann is their is their top guy again. Okay. Book All it. Right. <laughs> I love when he says. <laughs> <"Book it." laughs> All right. Uh, number three, speaking of, speaking of Blake Creamer, <laughs> uh, we got a Vancouver Canuck here, his boy, big koozie, Andre Kuzmenko, 39 goals, 35 assists last year, 74 points in 81 games. What a great rookie season for Andre Kuzmenko. Um, 
there's not really any reference numbers to compare because it was his rookie season. Um, but he had a 27.27% shooting percentage at all strengths uh, and a 23.81% shooting percentage at even strength. So I imagine, unless he's Jesus Christ on skates, uh, I, that that is going to come down. You know what I mean? I No one shoots like that. That's insane. On ice shooting percentage as well at even strength, 13.77%. That's crazy high. And at all strengths, it was 13.97%. Really, 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 really high. Uh, he only had 143 shots on goal on the season. So he's not no. a huge shot volume guy. Really? I, it's crazy, man. Uh, he had a 9.53 individual scoring chance for per 60. So he does get in good areas despite having a low shot volume. Uh, his shots per 60 was 6.52, so not really an amazing uh, – not not amazing numbers. Uh, I think he's going to be an important player in their top six, but there are definite questions about sustainability with his shooting – these insane shooting percentage numbers. I expect regression. Blake seems to think that he's going to get more time on ice and that he's going to shoot more. Um, I think that's possible, um, but I, I mean, I do definitely have – my doubts here yeah. i don't know who the hell does the fan tracks projections i'm going to call them out right now but they have him projected at 45 goals on 150 shots which i calculated is uh 29 like, percentage. Like, so they <laughs> i was like that's like 30 percent that's they expect him to be even more efficient <laughs> so i they clearly i don't know what they do i i don't know if it's like Oh, this guy's young. He'll get better. And this guy's old. He'll get worse. Like, like, is that how they do the projections? I'm not. I'm not really sure. But um, yeah, I, I think Kuzmenko is probably not going to be not going to have the numbers that he did last year. That's that's what I, that would be my guess, and that I think that's a safe assumption. What do you think, Banksy? I just don't know how he's going to hit those shooting percentages again, because in, in all of my eye tests and I watched uh, a lot of their games uh, getting to see them play late. Right. So many of his goals were the like sports center, top 10 fly around the base wrap around goal or like last minute, last second, uh, Deke to go top shelf right in front of the goalie. Like so often it was, that was an unbelievable goal. How can he possibly keep that up? They weren't running the offense through him, right? They weren't yeah. setting him up for one timers. They weren't, you know, giving him net front uh, dump in high efficiency goals, which is what you think of when you see somebody with 20, and above shooting percentage, right? This is somebody who's getting the offense run through them, who is getting easy setup goals, easily replicable goals. And that just wasn't his game. He was phenomenal. He scored in absolute flashes of, of brilliance, but how do you repeat that? And how can you forecast something being repeated in that fashion? Like it just doesn't, you know, we don't, we don't have a lot of, of history to go on. Even, even looking back into his, you know, international history, we're not talking about a super high goal scorer. 
right? Like a, a, an offensive player putting up points, but the goal scoring was not massive. So I just, I don't, I don't know what to go on. Like, is he just uh, a master that's going to come up with these, these game winning goals, you know, once a week, or is it something that has to crash back down to earth? And I feel like it just kind of has to with the way that he plays and, and the way they're gearing the offense. Now, if Blake is right, if that time on ice is going to jump and they're going to highlight him, as a weapon then it's certainly possible that he has an excellent season and the shot totals go up and he shoots you know 18 percent and has an incredibly viable season and that's certainly in the realm of possibility but the idea that his shooting percentage is going to go up or stay even in the same echelon like like how 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 can that possibly happen like (laughs) how yeah there's no way there's absolutely no way well, now we're going to talk with number two. We're talking about a Dallas star. No, talk this about... is totally this is totally repeatable. It's going to happen again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're talking about Jamie Ben. He had 33 goals, 45 assists, 78 points. His highest point total since 2018. It was the Benessance. He had his lowest average time on ice since his rookie season at 1547. Uh, his shooting percentage was the highest of his career, 17.37%. And his career average is more closer to 13 point, or actually his career average is exactly 13.2%. Um, and that's, yeah, that's an increase of over 4%. So that's, that's pretty significant. Uh, his shooting percentage actually hadn't been above 10% since 2020. So I actually believe that I spoke on a podcast before the season being like, I don't think that you should draft Jamie Ben, but his numbers are kind of not that bad under yeah. the hood. And like, I, I feel like he's just had really bad luck for a bit. So like, I feel like his luck might turn around and it turned around. That's for sure. Uh, maybe a little bit uh, further the in the other direction. His on-ice shooting percentage was 15.4% which is the highest of his career by 3%. Uh, and his 5v5 shooting percentage was 4, or on ice shooting percentage was 14.17%, which is insane because he played most of his time 5v5 on the third line. Well, I mean, so, that's that's a very good third line, though. That's a very good third line. And, you know, sure. it, it got better. So, agreed. Season, so, uh, 100, I 100% agree with that. However, 14% on a shooting percentage is really high. Like that's a, that's an yeah. amazing top line. So the, the fact that, that, uh, that they were doing it with, he was doing it with a rookie, sometimes two rookies, uh, was crazy. Wasn't it? Didn't he play with Johnston and Delandria at times? Um, Delandria was, was with them for quite a bit. They tried uh, Marchman on that line when he was slumping. Uh, it was yeah. Dodonoff in the in the tail end of the season. Right. Um, I think there's certainly a chance that um, that he plays with some sort of mix between Duchenne or Sagan or Dodonoff. I think it's it's pretty well glued with Johnston like that that dynamic seems to be very effective for them. And I think they'll continue it, but yeah, you know, I, 
what I don't see happening again is the power play output. Like as much as the, the even strength and on ice numbers are a little bit eye popping, like those things I think are, are replicable for the stars in the coming season, but for him to get 35 points on the power play and, and, uh, or excuse me, 30, 30 points on the power play and 13 of them being power play goals. Like, he was really effective, but he also had huge slumps on the power play where they they bumped him down and tried something different and slotted Sagan back in there. And it's, I don't I don't know what to forecast for him on the power play with them bringing in Duchenne, and there has to be some sort of like return to form for Marchman as well. Like there's there's going to be a lot of of flux in that middle six for the Stars and for that fifth slot on the power play. So. To say that it's just going to be Ben just because it worked well this year it, for a good stretch at the beginning of the year, I don't know that you can depend on that. Like, I think the overall output should still be very good. I think he will be a, van- a viable fantasy player. But, but man, I mean, 78 points, like n- no one saw that coming and, and you just can't see that coming again. Like the last time he got anywhere near that, he won an award, you know? So Yeah. <laughs> yeah no I, you don't see a lot of point per game players playing uh or or yeah you don't see a lot of point per game players playing sub 16 minutes a game so that's uh i mean the dallas's power play was outstanding um so i think if he if he keeps his spot on that on pp1 um he's still super super valuable um, but that 5v5, man, I just I know that they got better. I know Wyatt Johnston is 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 gonna probably have a breakout season. He's a lot of people's pick for a sleeper this year. Um, but I just don't see 14% on ice shooting percentages is, is wild. Um, and I just don't see that happening again. Um so we got our number one here. I said it was predictable. Uh, I mean Every fantasy hockey podcast has talked about this guy and how there's no way that he's that he's going to repeat what he did. And uh, they're right. They're absolutely right. It's Ryan Nugent <laughs> Hopkins. Uh, 37 goals, 69 assists. Nice. Nice. 104 points. All career highs. Every single stat. His previous career highs were actually 28 goals, 41 assists, and 69 points. Also nice. Nice. Uh, but not as nice as 104 points. That's uh, pretty amazing. So his shooting percentage was the highest of his career. Notice the theme. We've said that about pretty much everyone on this list. Uh, it was 18.41%. His career average is 12.2. So again, over 6% increase in shooting percentage. That's crazy. That's way too much. There's no way that that's happening again. He had a 15.87 on-ice shooting percentage, which was the highest in the league. And, I mean, highest in the last decade, easily, if not of all time. That's crazy. That is insane. Mind you, I, I did talk about Jamie Benn playing on, on such an amazing Dallas power play. I mean, Ryan Nugent Hopkins plays on the Oilers power play, which was the best power play of all time. Everyone's talked about it. We've, we've kind of talked about it ad nauseum. Um, but... I think there should be a huge decline for him. Even if his shooting percentage alone levels out to his career averages, that would bring him down to 25 goals and 92 points, which still isn't bad. Very good. That 
6.87% on a shooting percentage is going to come down as well. Uh, I mean, the Edmonton power play is still going to be great, but man, I don't see him getting that nice 69 assists again. Um, still a great fantasy player. Uh, you really never know with that power play, but I'm, I'm pretty confident. And I think most people are that there's going to be a regression there. Uh, what do you think, Banksy? Is this a, is this a home run as the number one here? Given the total, yes. But I think it's more, more repeatable than he might get credit for, right? Like, other than his on-ice shooting percentage being historical, right? And his personal shooting percentage being... Well, let's see, 11 points higher than the previous season. The other things seem to be like completely the same, right? He's going to get 20 minutes on ice. He's going to get three, four minutes on the power play. He's going to get shorthanded time. He's going to be on the ice in a prolific offense and a prolific power play. What concerns me most is that likely the on-ice shooting percentage is going to come down, right? Who knows how much with, with the success and the and the players that they have, but some at least. But his actual personal shooting percentage is so incredibly varied year to year that I don't know yeah. what to expect from him personally, right? Are we going to get 13? Are we going to get 12? Are we going to get 11? Are we going to get seven? Are we going to get nine? Are we going to get 18% out of him again? Like where, where is it in that line? And it's not a consistent career average that we can look at and go, okay, it's probably going to regress to here, right? We just don't know what to expect from his personal shooting totals and to say that he's going to get 37 goals again, pretty unlikely, pretty unlikely. So there's there's definitely regression coming, but him being above a point per game player seems completely reasonable. Him being a 90 point player seems completely reasonable. I think the most important thing to think about when when thinking about RNH is where do you want to draft him? Right. I just did a mock where he went uh, in the latter portion of the fourth round. Does that feel good to you? Are you happier in the fifth round? Are you ecstatic in the sixth round? Like it, and with the totals, that ADP probably solidifies in the mid to late fourth round, right? Like we're talking about a dual eligible player at center and left wing. We're talking about someone who is stapled to the best power play in hockey, to the best offense in hockey. Like, how bad does it get and where where are you scared is it fourth round like are you are you automatic in the fifth round are you are you hoping to put him in a center slot are you guaranteeing yourself okay fourth round i'm gonna get a part of this offense because unless you're in a slot you're not getting mcdavid unless you're in a slot you're not getting dry sidle right and you know where do you want to draft evander kane where do you feel good about getting a piece of this offense? Do you want to wait later and see if things are, are repeatable for Hyman? Like, do you, are you locked in with him in the fifth round or is it wishy-washy for you there too? Oh man, that's really hard. I, I think, I think I'm probably comfortable in the fourth. 
because I th- I think that Nugent Hopkins is probably uh, I would I would guess that he's probably going to be point per game. That would that would be. This is just a this is just spitballing. Like I don't do my own projections. Uh, I may do them next year. Actually, I, I I've 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 kind of uh, I tossed around the the thought of doing it this year, um, and then I've been. I don't know. I, I I've been looking at Dauber's projections and like I, I like them. It's a it's a good guide in terms of uh value over replacement, but I'm not I don't agree with, with a good chunk of, of uh there's a lot of players where I'm just like, nah, I don't think well, so. I don't I, think so. I think that's the universe telling you that you need to do your own projections. And yeah. speaking of universe, I had a dream where I called uh Nate on not a rotary phone, but you know, like the old heavy ones that were like a murder weapon that had the, yeah, yeah. the wire, right? Like the ones you hung on the wall. I was standing in like a 1970s kitchen and I had a piece of paper with Nate's phone number written on it. And I called him to argue about his projections. <laughs> and wow. here's, here's the wildest part. I don't like have a ton of dreams that I remember. So for yeah. me to have this dream and then remember it, super weird. But like I woke up the next day and was like, I really need to get him to give me because he's he's a spreadsheet wizard. You know what I mean? I was like, I need him to to get him to give me his spreadsheet so that I can just go in and like redline it to pieces and be like, no, this is terrible. I feel way better about uh x in this column right yeah. so you know uh the old getting nate to do the hard work and then uh and then and then you just change, you just changing your own edits. yeah exactly there you go there you go it's a yeah, team no, effort like that. it's a team effort like, here at apples and genos i like that a lot i like that a lot nice. and then yeah. you know and then we all have projections and we put out um the like consensus uh adps uh, or the consensus projections from from apples and genos versus versus um, zero Jesus himself. Yeah, man. Yeah, we all we all compare compare ourselves. I think Nate after after his first season doing projections uh, wrote an article comparing his to to all the other. Uh, I mean, like Dom Decision and, and yeah. like uh, some of the other big ones, Dauber and and. and uh, and, and just, just to see how he performed uh, and he performed very well. So um, not surprised. These projections are very, are very valuable. I think, I think he knows what he's doing. Uh, Blake's uh, have all seemed to really, the ones that I've seen, the ones that I've talked to him about, they've all looked pretty reasonable for me. Uh, so I, I like what we're doing over here. So that is all we have for today. Uh, if you like our content, check out the Apples and Genos Patreon. We were talking about projections. You can see Nate's projections early. That it wasn't even a used... tease. We were just talking about that. We that worked, just though. yeah no I I that didn't that was an unintentional segue that was kind of perfect. You you could support the show on a monthly basis and get extra perks in season. So there's in season perks including access to the Apples and Genos Patron League, which is a fun league. I really like it. I usually do pretty well. Oh yeah, so that's part of the do reason you, I like it. Do you? Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, extra weekly waiver wire articles with tips on on what to do on the waiver wire each week from Nate, and also uh, that comes in podcast form as well. Um, and there is a temporary off season tier, which is only two dollars a month, 
where you can get early access to Nate's projections as he makes them. Um, he's had a, he has a good chunk of teams already done, and I think he's back from vacation, so he's going to be working on those again. Uh, you're going to want to check that out. Itch. He's got the itch like the rest of us. Yeah, man. And Blake is always Blake's always on Twitter uh, asking people to name some players. He's he's itching to get those graphics out there. I like I like the those cream of the crop projection graphics. They're really nice. Also, hop into the Apples and Genos Discord server. Shoutouts to the band. They're there for providing our music. Their Spotify link is in the episode description. Give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter or X, I suppose. Binksy's at Binklemania. Nate is at Apples Genos. Blake is at Blake Creamer AG. And I'm at Just Josh and 41. Please practice safe stats. Happy summer. Actually, happy drafting at this point. Let's Are go. we drafting yet, Binksy? Damn right. I just finished a mock while we were doing this. Hell yeah, dog. Happy drafting, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good oh. one. Folks. Good night, world. <laughs>